and welcome to the Golden Rod Podcast. I'm Ben. As always, I'm joined by fellow Pokemon enthusiast Connie to bring you some of the latest and greatest Pokemon news and a few laughs along the way. This week, we're following up a previous discussion about the Pokemon classic TCG release. We'll also be talking about a recent video that seems to reveal what staff at Game Freak really think about working there. And in our Devil's Advocate section, we'll be arguing whether Game Freak should just give up Pokemon as an IP. As always, you can jump to a topic using the timestamps in the description below. And following the conversation last week, the, the Kingdom's Discord and our podcast channel within that is i don't know if you've seen this it's been an absolute fire with people just commenting and discussing uh game freak and uh, how uh, the switch games are handled oh wow no i missed this completely okay (laughs) this goes on forever (laughs) it just doesn't it It like uh, i i remember dropping in and out of it and then i was like yeah when was the last time i checked this conversation and for me, the timestamp as of this morning was like today at 10 minutes past midnight. And I know time zone, so it wasn't midnight for somebody else. I was just like, okay, there's a proper conversation going on here. Some of the, the highlights, some of the things I wanted to talk about um, was that a lot of the people in there seem to think that, well, one of the issues with Pokemon is that it doesn't really have an out-and-out competitor. And because it doesn't have an out-and-out competitor, it's able to just kind of do whatever it wants. And if you want a monster-catching game, there are very few out there. Um, And there were comparisons with EA. Again, EA doesn't really iterate much between games. They release very similar games every single uh, year with not really, not many major tweaks um, both of them, obviously, both Game Freak and EA work on a tight schedule, but yet this business model seems to work for them. And I think just to wrap it up, one of the things that I did like about this conversation was just the even in our small group of people that were commenting, it shows the di- the diverse range of customers that Game Freak are appealing to. Because some people saying that um, they're not going to pre-order again. Um, some people saying that regardless of the issues with Scarlet and Vice, they still enjoyed it. You've got some people saying that, um, oh, well, I've got, where is it here? Um, it's, uh, honestly, I know it's a hot take, but I'm happy uh, with where Scarlet and Violet is, considering it's the first time they changed the models and textures of Pokemon in almost 10 years, and the first fully open-world Pokemon game, so it's kind of understandable. It's not as good as you'd expect for something like Pokemon. It's really interesting just to see the diverse range of thoughts on this, and obviously we've made ours, ours known mm. multiple times at this point. But it's really interesting just to see what people think about it and whether or not like, they've reached that point of, I'm done with Pokemon, and it doesn't seem like it. So I think that we should at some point start looking at viable Pokemon competitors. So there's one that released uh, a couple of months ago, a couple of months ago called uh, Cassette Beasts. Is that the one with the guns? No, 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 no. That's Power okay, World. Okay. I'll come on to Power World in a minute. Okay. Cassette Beasts <laughs> okay. is this 2.5D game. Um, it's an indie game about going around and catching po- catching beasts, as it were. Uh, okay. You put them in your little cassette tapes, and then you can fuse every single one of them 
So they've brought Pokemon Fusions into it. Okay. And the world looks fantastic. If you look it up, and I encourage you to do so at home as well. I've not played it myself. I did uh, catch a video that said, like, this is the most underrated game of this year, and everybody's missing out on it. Um, I need to watch it. But I I saw the trailers leading up to it, and I was like, okay, it's a Pokemon spinoff, or sorry, a Pokemon clone ripoff, if you want to call it that, that Mm -hmm. actually looks like it's doing more with the concept than pokemon is doing so i do want to check that one out and then obviously you just brought up pal world which doesn't look like a real game because you're running around with what is effectively a sprigatito on your shoulder with a machine gun shooting down other pokemon and then yeah the the creatures all work in uh slave factories and producing guns and you're riding them around and throwing bombs and setting traps and it has a release date now, apparently. It is coming out. There's been a recent trailer that I, I saw, and it, I, I'd heard about it. And I was like, go on then, I'll view the trailer. Does it appeal to me? I, I'm not sure if it, it, if it does, but I'd imagine it might scratch the itch of some people that maybe enjoy Pokemon, but wish it would... would... Wish it would do something different. Yes, Maybe hit more mature themes uh, with the use of the use of weaponry, and if nothing else, I think there's going to be some fantastic um, memes and short videos coming out of that because one of the things in the latest trailer was there's a load of uh, load of monsters with guns on top of a tower, and the character literally shoves a penguin into a rocket launcher and fires it at the base of the tower to make it collapse, and it it looks really really interesting. Yeah. I mean, um, I think my biggest issue with the trailer so far is I don't know what the game is. No. It seems no. like such a mismatch of ideas, and I don't know whether it's a survival game. Like, my my first thought was, is it, is it a um, less so a mature version of Pokemon? Is it a kiddier version of Ark Survival Evolved? Where yes. you go around and you capture and tame dinosaurs and use them to for survival, and then you can even once you get high enough level, you can strap lasers and guns to their heads and go and fight other people. Is it more that kind of game, or is it a single player experience? I don't know what this game is. I think I, I think literally they they their marketing at the moment is literally Pokemon, but with guns. Yeah, and I think they're they're hoping that just by relying on that. It will get people interested, but I I completely agree that thinking back now, watching the trailer, it didn't make it clear what is the purpose of the game, what kind of genre is it outside of catching creatures. It seems like yeah, it's a catching creatures cross third person shooter cross something. Not entirely something, sure, which we're we're not sure. But if that's the kind of thing you'd be interested in us having a look at. And, uh, you know, peering into these alternatives to Pokemon. Agreed. I'm sure we could we could make that work. I d- definitely could, because one of the ones I've wanted to play for a while is... Uh, is it Temtem? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which looks really interesting. Looks... Gr- you know, the, the, the graphics look really good. Um, the the battle system looks, looks like they've thought, okay, yeah, we can't just copy Pokemon. How do we put our own twist on it? And one of the things I like about it is it there isn't a PP system. There's almost a classic MP system of 
yeah, you can use your powerful attacks, but you're going to be left a bit short. And yep. if you don't finish your opponent, what are you going to do? So it actually rewards you for having some of the lower base attacks because obviously they use less MP, which allow you to use them more. Whereas Pokemon, you have the issue of, okay, I'm going to give my Pokemon all these amazing attacks with low PP, but it kind of means that once a Pokemon can learn Flamethrower, Ember's useless. Yeah. Whereas Temtem seems to be of the mindset of, no, the the weaker moves do still have a place because they don't use it. They don't take as much to, to use. And I'm sure there's other games. Is that Yo? Yo? One Yo-Kai or Watch. Yo- Yo-Kai Watch. There Yo-Kai Watch was a huge, huge monster catching game over in Japan. Mm. Um, I think they did like Yo-Kai Watch 1, 2, 3, I want to say off the top of my head. Okay. Again, never played it. It's not that big over in Western countries. Um, again, the concept of yokai is not something we understand fully, so it just never captured us. And I think there's something else to be said about you know why Temten didn't work over here, why yokai watch didn't work over here, why Power World looks so weird, and why cassette based as much as maybe it's the greatest game ever hasn't taken off. And I think a lot of it comes down to Pokemon's design, and I'm not versed mm. enough in graphics and design language to understand why people love them so much i understand Mm -hmm. obviously the lore and there's something about pokemon where you you see it and you can tell there's more to it than what is initially coming to you Mm -hmm. they feel like there's there's history there they feel like there's concepts in there that you don't fully grasp initially and then if you research into them it gets even better I've never found that with any of the other monster catching games, even Digimon, probably one of the biggest competitors of monster catching. I know it's not. I know it's not, Digimon fans. I know it's not. But it kind of follows that same kind of suit of they just, the designs just don't capture that same feeling that Pokemon does. Mm. Hmm. I I agree. Despite the fact that we've mentioned loads of other you know, monster catchers there. There is something to say of Pokemon just in its own community. You can just tell they are Pokemon. It all feels concise. It all feels part of the same structure, I guess. Whereas my experience with Digimon is that, like, I remember the first Digimon game I played was, like, basically a glorified Tamagotchi on the PS1. Yep. And while I enjoyed elements of it the frustration around that just made me give it up and then I never touched a Digimon game despite the fact I have had I have heard high praise for some of the more recent Digimon games that are available on modern day consoles I don't think you're to be blamed uh, for that though Digimon World was notoriously ridiculous to understand the fact that you had to really? train your Digimon before you left the first area really like That's, it's never explained right? to you because did your Digimon always evolve into the poop Sometimes, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it was really weird because there was times where, like you say, you didn't know what the, what di- di- digi, what Digimon, what Digi, what Digimon your Digimon would Digivolve into. That's a, that's a mouthful. Um, but also the fact that it almost felt like you were punished for training your Digimon because then it seemed to just die sooner because it, I don't, I don't, it was really weird. And there was parts of the game where it was almost like uh, there was that flying pink one called, I think, Pixiemon. Yeah, which is an and ultimate level Digimon. 
but it but you could only access that in the early parts of the game but you weren't strong enough to access the early part it was really it was a really confusing game that it was almost like i, I can't and i can't believe i'm making this comparison it's almost like what dark souls was where the first time you play dark souls you're not told what to do or where to go you just kind of there you go figure out the mechanics have fun and that's that's what that digimon game on the playstation felt like of I've no idea what I'm doing, and I'm not sure if I am actually enjoying this or not. Yeah, outside of the Digimon brand. Yeah, it was a it was an interesting game, and it was a, apparently it was made actually off the back of the Digivices, which were a, a, a attempt at aiming Tamagotchi's two boys. That's what. Did, did you have you, one of them? I didn't have one until the third generation, which was the one where you could swipe yeah, cards. The cards. Um, which okay. was really cool. But I know they were a thing. I never really got along with Tamagotchis because they beep incessantly. And my poor little brain when I was younger just went, ah, stress. And then things die. And then I have issues with abandonment anyway. So they were not good for me to begin <laughs> with. Um, so I never had one, no. But I know the game Digimon World was actually based on the original Tamagotchi device rather than the tv series oh okay probably is it's it's why the mechanics are so weird yeah because it's all about actually caring for the digimon and training it up rather than going on a story yeah because i can't remember there is a much of a story there is a story in there you've got to kind of rebuild the city file city that that you're in and then you go on to defeat some dark power. Yeah, that all sounds about right. But I, honestly, I my, my Digimon always evolved into a pile of poop. And then that yeah. was it. I just didn't want to play anymore. No, I always remember I played it because I did want, like, obviously the the, the Digimon from the anime. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I could never get them. I remember, I think I always used to get an ogre in mind or some kind of green creature. Um, but it was that, like, like, I'm thinking, like, over 20 years ago now. But you see, that's so, where I think Digimon confused a lot of people where Pokemon was very... The evolutions are linear in Pokemon. Yeah, A Charmander is never, ever going to become a Mewtwo. Whereas mm-hmm. the Digimon games almost implied that any Digimon could become any other Digimon when it ranked up. Yeah. And we've seen that, I think, in even the later games, the Digimon paths branch off. And then I, I think we didn't actually see that in the anime series until... Well, no, actually, because you still had Skull Greymon instead of you had a War handful. Greymon. So, so from from my like my understanding of that is like like you said, Charmander will always become a Char Char um, Charmeleon into a Charizard, but then it does. Br- some Pokemon do branch, but mm. the branch is very. Oh, I can understand both ways, and Agumon into into you know Greymon and War Greymon was almost that that split. Yep. Whereas the games were kind of. It's it's not a, a tree branch. It's almost like a load of roots lapping into one another, and your Agumon could actually digivolve into something that I thought was a completely yeah. separate species. And it was just bizarre, and there was no I think, explanation. I think in later games they did split it down into like data types and virus types, and yes, there was more of a distinction there. But the point is, that's really that's really meaty. That's really hard to. It's it's inaccessible, I think. Mm. Mm. And Pokemon is very, as much as there's depth to it, and you have all the different typings, and you have 
all the hidden mechanics like the IVs and the EVs and you got the the strats behind the type uh, not the typings the um abilities and natures and things like that a pokemon is a pokemon you look at a charmander you go yeah that's a fire lizard and it becomes a bigger fire lizard and then it becomes a fire breathing dragon lizard hmm. that makes sense uh, it does enough it's it's simplicity is it's yes. tangible that's what I was going to say. Like Pokemon is so accessible and simple to get into, and there there is depth in it if you want to explore that. But to just as a child picking up and playing the game, you don't need to understand all the mechanics. You just oh, I'm going to pick my favorite Pokemon and I'm just going to go on this adventure and and figure it out. And I think the great thing about Pokemon is that it it's 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 there it's just always there whether or not it's the merchandise the trading cards the 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 anime and like the the game you don't need to you know if you have a child and in you know seven eight years time they're like i want to play pokemon you don't have to go okay so we're gonna play pokemon red first we're gonna work our way through them. no you just get in the latest pokemon game and you know they don't miss anything no from playing the latest one whereas i, I don't know about these other these other ones that are available and like Yokai Watch, for example, I I, I got a, I got the Yokai Watch game with my 3DS when I bought it, and I think it, I don't think it was the first one. I, I might be wrong, and I just sold it. I just sold it so I could pay for I think Auras, just so I had a bit of you know trading uh, value. And I, I don't think I think I think the other issue is that any anything that is in that you know collect and battle genre is is just going to be get unfairly compared with Pokemon and just go, you're just copying Pokemon. Well no, we're not copying Pokemon. Like they don't Pokemon doesn't own the monopoly on the monster catching genre. They're just the ones that have done it so well for so long. Like if you pick up a shooter, no one goes, oh that's just copying Call of Duty. No, because there's loads of different types of shooters. Well the fact that all... the genre is called monster catching rather than Pokemon like Yes. If, you, if you consider you've got other things like roguelike. Rogue was a game, yep. and now everything that has that mechanic where you die and restart is a roguelike. Yes. You have Souls-like games now, where things feel like uh, the Soulsborne series. Mm. We don't call things Pokemon-likes. They're mm. monster-catching games. It's 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 fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating to me that it's almost like people that jump onto Pokemon don't really want to jump off and try other other monster catching games in that same arena. But what that ultimately means is that they then don't really have anything to compare Pokemon to in that genre. Yeah, because the, all they've got to compare is oh Pokemon, and I'll, I guess there are mechanics within it I can compare to AAA games, such as like how they implement the map in Scarlet and Violet. But again, I think a lot of that comes down to the design aspect of it. Again, I was watching somebody do a review of all the Power World trailers, and all they were saying through it is, "Well, that's just Luxray. Well, that's just Sprigatito. Oh, look, it's Delibird. Oh, look, it's this Pokemon." I'm like, okay, but how? If you're going to say every single electric lion is a Luxray, if you're going to say every single grass cat is a Sprigatito, then sure. But mm. Pokemon can't have a carte blanche to be like, no, all of our designs are 100% original. 
which they're not. They're clearly based they're on real life things a lot of the time. Exactly. And nobody else can copy us. Otherwise, they're just a derivative of us. And I'm like, that's not mm. really how that works. No. it it. And we've yeah. seen this because there's been so many fan creations, fan designed Pokemon over the years that have been based off a myriad of different things that Pokemon have then created something similar. And you can't say, well, they stole that from that person because they just didn't. It's just mm. that we have this collective unconsciousness that allows us to derive similar ideas. And, and, it's, it's like, and why, that... I'm just going to bring it down to culture. It's why dragons exist all over the world. Yeah. Because this, this idea that, oh, yes, big, but bigger. Bigger with wings. You know, it's, it's not original. <laughs> no. No, and like a lot of the Pokemon designs are they're based off real-world equivalents. So, if you, so of course, like Pokemon in their own little sphere are going to design something that looks like something someone else has designed elsewhere, despite the fact that they've had no collaboration, they've not seen each other's work, but because they're based off something, there's only so many iterations or changes you can make to a real-life object so therefore, at some point, you're going to end up designing something similar as somebody else has already done it. And like, I honestly do not think that any of the the game developers, like Temtem or you know all these other ones that we just discussed, I don't think the first thing they did was start and go, okay, let's look at the Pokemon designs. Okay, let's take that one and we'll do that one, but different. They won't have done that. They'll have started from scratch, just like Pokemon do, and then built something. And it wouldn't surprise me sometimes they create something like a creature and go, and then somebody will go, that looks a bit like this Pokemon. It's like, oh, well, there's no, there's no influence there. It's just we both started at the same point, which was some kind of lion or cub or tiger. And there's only so far you can go. Like if, if you go, okay, I want, I want, I want a lion, I want fire. Like how many design versions of that can you make before actually the two that you've got in Pokemon high roar like that's kind of the only way you can go with it mm. so of course it's going to look similar if you're designing it from from scratch and you're taking these two elements but that shouldn't unless of course it's got a really done. unless of course it's got a really strong design philosophy like digimon which yeah i don't and the thing is you can always tell a digimon to the point where pokemon have even been like oh no that just feels like a digimon and it's yep. that element yep. of over designed there's yep. there's mechanics thrown in there. It all feels very nineties. Yes, even the yes. most modern Digimon feel very nineties because they 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 all they all look like they skateboard and shout extreme, dude. You know, so they've radical. Got, they've got that feel about them, and that's yeah, cool have. because the design philosophy runs throughout. Now, realistically, mm-hmm. Pokemon's design philosophy has actually changed over the years. You know, the, I think I watched a video that was talking about how the eyes of Pokemon have changed drastically. Yes. And how a lot of the feet and things have become more simplified shapes. So yeah. we don't get the claws on Charmeleon anymore. It's, now it's just stumps. Yeah, because everything's more rounded nowadays. Yes. Uh, I remember seeing the, seeing a video. I don't know if it's the same one where it was Probably. like, it hit a point where, okay, they're not claws. Like you say, they are rounded fingers or rounded. Like they've taken the, the edges off a lot of Pokemon designs, modern Pokemon designs, which is why some of the later ones do feel a little less 
intimidating, a little less, um, a, a little more friendly. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I think I was reading uh, Ken Sugimori talk about his idea of po- for what Pokemon were and why his designs feel so different, and it's the idea that he goes, "Well, I want to create something cool, but then just add a little bit of dorkiness in there." So why Dragonite, this big, powerful dragon, is just a little bit chubby? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that, it gives it, because that gives it character. Yes. Because now it's more than what it otherwise would have been. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. little bits of personality allow people to attach onto them. Yeah. Agreed. It's, it's, it's fascinating. I would love to, love to come back to this at some point, especially after maybe we've played one or two of the other ones, just to see if... Game Freak, if there are lessons that Game Freak needs to learn, mm. which I think they do, but if they're in that monster catching genre, they are likely the lead, they are the leaders in sales, but they might even be the leaders in design philosophy. Who who knows? Because we, we don't have that knowledge yet. Oh, well, there you go. Cassette Beasts is currently £16.75 on Steam. Okay. Right. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, I think we might. After this. Agreed. Agreed. Let's. Should we move on to the first piece of news? Yes. Yes. Twenty-five minutes in. Uh, <laughs> so the first piece of news is we are revisiting the Pokemon Classic TCG set that we spoke about several months ago. Um, we broke down a little bit of the design and what you got in it. For those of you that that um, that haven't listened to that, it's fine. We'll wait. Go and listen to every single episode that we've ever released, and then come back. Obviously, I am joking, but if you want to, we'd appreciate it. However, this set, available from the Pokemon Center, included 360 card decks featuring Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise, uh, three deck boxes, three sets of card sleeves, a two-play game board, a toolbox case with randomizer, whatever that means, two sets of damage counters, and then six new cards, including uh, Suicune, Lugia, and Ho-Oh. Available for the low, low price... Of four hundred dollars, who would buy this? Apparently, a lot of people because it's already sold out, and there's a purchase limit of one per person as well. So no one was buying multiples, one to keep, one to store, or one to sell. Like it seems very much like either people were buying this and only getting one in order to sell it at a later date, or to keep it. Now, what? I can see Connor's face here. Connor's got Connor's got thoughts. I want to know them. So tell me. So my biggest thought is the fact that if you scroll down on the webpage where it says uh, about this, it'll tell you that none of these cards are tournament legal. <laughs> no. So this is a four hundred dollar, four hundred pound uh, pack that can only be played with itself. Basically. Wow. And because there are only three decks, like how how many how many combinations of battles can you have? Not many. Well, it's three times two times one, so six. Yeah, that's wow. Now, don't get me wrong; <sighs> those are evergreen, and that's never ever going to change. Mm. But the problem is that there are other formats you can do in Pokemon. I um oh, I can't remember what you call it. It's like box or crate or something basically you get a big box of a number of decks that are all similarly powered and then if you just want to play that 
you just play that. You pull this box off, you go, right, pick one and have yep. fun. In Magic, they did a really fun thing. Um, they called it Jumpstart, where the idea was that you you bought a bunch of Jumpstart and then you took two packs and you just shuffled them together and that was your deck. Oh, wow. And okay. all these packs were relatively equally balanced so you could get a really good combination or a really bad combination but it didn't matter because it was all about the fun of the game so the idea of having this evergreen format is a lovely idea this price is stupid (laughs) (laughs) and don't get me wrong the the play mat the case and all that kind of stuff it's all really fancy it's gorgeous yeah who cares because you're not going to be playing with it no, it's like the damage count. The damage counters are are gorgeous, but you use dice. They're never gonna, yeah, the, well, the, the, none of this is ever going to leave your house. You're gonna buy it. You're gonna leave it in the box because you don't want to open it. Because part of you is thinking, okay, this might sell one day for a lot of money, and therefore I don't want to. I don't want to open it just in case. But then you're missing out on the enjoyment of this this beautiful looking set and. I think this leads us on to the other conversation that we wanted, that it's $400, $400 because it's got Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise in it in the exact same card designs as from 1997 or whenever the original set came out. Which I think is really, really bad because, A, it's not in the same designs as the original cards. Is it not? Okay. Um don't, oh, it might be. Hang on. Let me check. I saw I saw an image that showed those original three cards. Yeah, because there's there's a difference between the original cards and the cards they released for XYZ, didn't they? So there the original cards okay. never had Pokemon powers. No, they didn't. Yeah. Not until... So, so these are more based off of um, the XYZ cards. Okay. Because uh, I know they XYZ. re-released a load of them, didn't they? Yeah, XY Evolutions, yes. Yeah. So Seriously typing. I'm pretty sure. Okay, so hang on. Sorry, 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 sorry. So the XY Evolutions had the four fire energy. Sorry, I'm looking at Charizard right here. The, the Evolutions had four fire energy in a row, whereas this has the original format of putting them in squares. Yeah. So you've got two and two. Yep. So they've given that the original design, but have then added Pokemon powers to make them more relevant to today. And but part yeah, of me is them. like, are you just trying to... Here's the issue. They're trying to emulate that original wonder that we had to make Agreed. it feel like you're getting value. But in changing just the order of how those energies are done... Have they actually made it more valuable because now it's that card that only comes from this set, which is limited run, sold out really quickly, and now it's a collector's item? Does it Because it's Pokemon, does it hold its value? The same as Nintendo games. Do, do they hold their value through the fact that they're Nintendo games and therefore can justify a higher price? And... The answer is yeah. I think the answer is yes. There, it's it's Pokemon. It's the trading card game. Like it was available at four hundred dollars. If you miss that and you want it, you are going to be paying more than four hundred dollars. The only way I think you are going to 
potentially get this for less than $400 is you'll see it on eBay where it's like, okay, it's available for 300 but I've already removed the Charizard, Blastoise, and Venusaur. Oh, I like the original you... one did have a Pokemon power. It I did. remember that. Okay. okay. Well, it was that long ago. I can't blame you for, for remembering. But like th- this brings us nicely onto the other topic is the Pokemon tax. If this was any other trading card game, the value would be less. But because it's Pokemon... Because it's got that Charizard in it. And we saw this with Pokemon Evolutions, the trading card game for uh, um, a set for uh, X and Y. Like, that's that was constantly selling out. And the cards were going for ridiculous amounts on marketplaces. And unopened packs were going for ridiculous amounts on marketplaces. Because it's the nostalgia bait. It's the, this is Pokemon. And those coupled together means that people can charge a higher price on it. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. I was looking something up. I can yeah, tell. Yeah, no, oh. it's... Uh, yeah, I am. I'm looking a couple of things what, up. Are you looking up the powers thing again? So, no, it's it's not... So, it's Pokemon Power. I think this is effectively a reprint of the original card. I think I was wrong. Okay. It's just flat out the same. Just It is, because the Pokemon power is back instead of a Pokemon ability, and Fire Spin is back down to be 100 damage rather than 200. Okay. So it is more in line with the original card than the XY version we got. Which does explain why, or help to explain why it's not competition legal, because I have, I've recently played with, you know, first generation cards, and they are an absolute nightmare to play. You're not winning a fight with them against a modern-day deck because they're slower, they take more energy, they deal less damage, they have less HP. They're, they're just not built for it. No, ex- but they have introduced modern-day mechanics like supporters because Professor Oak, which is a classic card, is now a supporter, which means it acts like Professor's Research. Right. Actually, this is fascinating. Sorry, I, I, I got very distracted there because the idea that they're reprinting these old cards as they were because they're not designed to be played with. Hmm. Does this... Did this have to come out at this price in order to not decrease the value of the older cards? Which, uh, which I, don't think they w- I don't think they would have given that much thought because they're not selling the older cards. The older cards are all being sold by other people, so therefore... Uh, Pokemon Company gets no okay. profit. No, 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 no. Disagree with that. So the fact okay. that the older cards sell for so much makes newer cards more valuable. Fair point. You know, you're right. That, yeah. that, that speculative market helps to boost Pokemon cards as a whole, and therefore they don't want to hit that market. Good point, actually, because if if this comes out and it's cheaply priced and suddenly you can get a Charizard for a lot less, it lowers the value of the other Charizards. Therefore, any new set that comes out, people will be like, well, I don't need to buy as many because they're not going to be worth as much. I don't need to sell them for as as much. It has a knock-on effect. Okay, yeah, I can understand that. I mean, there will still be people out there who will say, well, it's not base set, so I don't care. And that's Mm. fine. Um, We can't tell by the images... Uh, that I've seen so far, whether it's shiny no. or hollow. Okay. So that would be an interesting thing to look up. Mm, it's, it's, it is going to be really interesting to see if this is 
is literally a carbon copy of the cards that came before. Because let's be honest with you, how many sets out there are missing Charizard? Might be missing a Blastoise or a Venus. I'll tell you who hasn't. Mine. I've got all of them. I've got all of them. My Charizard is probably like a rating of one, maybe two. Um, would I pay 400 quid to, to increase the value of my base set? I don't think I would, but obviously I'm not everyone. I haven't got money to, to burn. Um, if this was cheaper, I would have gone in on it if I'd have, you know, not missed it. Um, but $400. I I don't think people are paying four hundred dollars for the the the, the experience. The, the, no, they're they're paying four hundred quid for. Look at these three Pokemon cards that I've got that I never had, and it also has sorry, and it also has the six new cards that I mentioned: um, so Suicune EX, Lugia EX, and Ho EX that make their debut in this in this deck. Here's the thing, though: we just had these three cards in celebrations. Which one? Sorry. Charizard, Venusaur, and Blastoise. They all came out in did celebrations. We? Oh, yeah, they did, didn't they? In, yeah, the, in this kind okay. of original print style as yes. well, with the right damage and the right yeah. um, energy alignment and things. But they had the 25-year anniversary stamp on them. These ones don't. Does is, that not is, make them more valuable than this? Well, if these ones are identical to the originals, I'd say, uh, as, as a collector, I'd prefer these ones. Because while those those twenty five stamps are, you know, the, the, you, while I can then say, oh, I've got a, I've got a Charizard. It's not the original Charizard. It's easier to get. But this is was easier. To this get. isn't the original Charizard, and this is even easier to get. Theoretically, it was easier to get. Well, it was theoretically it, for, yes. for about five seconds. Yes. <laughs> it's. Um, it's it, this whole this whole thing is is interesting. I did want it to be a quick dis- discussion, Connie, uh, well, because you can, obviously we, it's value. We're talking about the value of something that's completely speculative. Yeah, and that always breaks down and is completely subjective. It is yes. Like what what's the value of this? Well, it depends on the person ultimately. Like I love the the battle mat. I love the counters. I love the like randomizer that they've got where you spin the ball around. I don't think I'd ever use it in a competition. No, I don't think I'd no. take it to a store. Mm-hmm. And to mm-hmm. be honest, I'm not sure how much I'd play with it because of the price. And that's coming from someone who bought a really beautiful set of dice encounters and things at Worlds that are a world set and play with it all the time. It cost me £30 mm. for a set of dice, effectively. But I'll play with it all the time because that was a reasonable price for what I got in my mind. And I then continue to get the value out of it from playing with it. Whereas this is priced so high that playing with it, it doesn't feel right. No, agreed. You'd feel like you're you're at risk of breaking it, losing it. Um, and just by opening it and using it, it lowers its value. Because while, you know, there'll also be some people that... that Maybe think oh, I'm never going to sell it. Like I- I'm the same. Like anything that I've got, I've got a couple of um, unopened card packs and unopened. Um, I've got the uh, was it the 25 year anniversary? Uh, I think you can just see it just up there, maybe with the chunky Pikachu that's Gigantamaxed. I've never opened it mm. because, like, there might come a day where I just think money's an issue. I'm just going to open it, but there's always that risk of. Maybe that might be worth something more mm. in the in in the future. And like anything, 
I, I ultimately believe that everything has a pinch point of you going, yeah, I'll sell it for that. Yeah. Like, if someone turned around and said, I'll offer you 20 quid, no. If someone turned around and said, I'll give you a grand for that, I'd, I'd have to think about it. If someone came along and said, I'll give you 50k for that, which, yeah, I don't even have to think about it. It's the same with this. Like, the value just depends on so many factors. Yeah, the fact that it's already on eBay for 780 quid. <laughs> I didn't, that didn't take long. No, of course did it didn't. not take long. No, but somebody, somebody out there, I can guarantee you, will go, yeah, that's worth it. I'll pay for that. Yeah. yeah, I'll get more for that in a few years. Yeah. It's 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 absolutely crazy. Absolutely absolutely crazy. Right. Should we should we touch on Pokemon tax? Yeah, just the simple fact that this costs more because it's got Pokemon on it. I yeah. don't think it and should that, be anywhere near this price. Agreed. But Pokemon tax isn't just this, it's everything related to Pokemon. Like you only have to look at the games. The games just They're retain... thirty pound games still. Yeah. In, in my you... opinion, they're still thirty pound games selling for fifty, sixty dollars. You agreed, agreed, but because it's Pokemon, you can add that that to it. And like, look at look at any of the old Game Boy Advance games or Game Boy Color games, and how much they go for secondhand. Um, I was in uh, my local CEX store, and they had Pokemon Gale of Darkness that was going for something like two hundred pounds. And I'm not gonna lie, I wanted it, but it's not worth that. Not worth anywhere near that, but because it's there's a, there's obviously extra factors of it's no longer in print, and you know there are probably less than were ever produced because people might have damaged theirs, lost theirs, um, but still, because it's Pokemon, it's almost like yeah we can we can add an extra twenty thirty fifty percent onto the value of it, and it seems to for whatever reason like. Hold the illusion of it holding this imaginary value that's we just add to it for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I equated it to Nintendo games earlier. The idea that they hold their value because in years and years people will still want them, and yeah. that's fair. And the thing is, again, in a secondhand market where there is less um, less supply, more demand. I understand it. And when it comes to a secondhand market, I've said before, I don't care about piracy. Like, if you're going to charge me 200 quid for a 20-year-old game, no. Off to the high seas. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not doing it. If, if, there's a, if Game Freak wants to re-release it and charge me a, a reasonable price for it, then I'll do that. But otherwise, yep. no. But then I don't think that Pokemon are charging reasonable prices for their games. And I think it brings us nicely onto the next topic because... They don't have to. They don't have to charge no. us decent prices for the game. They don't have to make good games because they're all going to sell anyway. Yeah. Which, perfect, perfect segue. There was a video that was released uh, a couple of weeks back now uh, by a person, I'm going to butcher the name as I always do, a, a YouTuber by the name of Gyrum Red uh, with the video title of I Expose What's Really Going On at Game Freak. I think that's a bit of a clickbaity title because it's not really exposing. It is uh, w what they've done is is basically they have paid money to access a platform where staff can review can leave job reviews. 
uh, between one and five stars. If you're in uh, the UK, uh, I'm not sure if this is available outside of the UK. There's a there's a website called Glassdoor that does exactly the same. I've left a review for companies before where literally you you go on, you go okay, I rate this out of however many, and these are the reasons why. Um, this person accessed this site. Um, most other gaming companies on there, their reviews are sitting around three and a half. Uh, with the exception of of three, uh, three and a half stars which, out of five. That is out of five. Um, with the exception of three, one of which is Game Freak that's sitting at the time of that video two point nine four. Now, before we go into what people are saying, we do have to you know preface this that the original website is in Japanese, so the person has used Google Translate with this. Google Translate, while it is good is not 100% accurate. Yeah, don't quote any of these. No. It's also open to bias, because let's be honest with you, most people, if they just have an average experience, you don't talk about it. You talk about something that you have an amazing experience with or a terrible experience with. So for every good review, for every bad review, there's probably dozens of others that just never got written because people just have a nice time at Game Freak. Um... And that leads me on to it's a limited sample size. Not every member of staff who's ever worked there has, has done this. It's only a handful. Um, and a couple of other things. You don't need a verified email address to log a review. That means that anyone can leave a review. However, all reviews are manually checked and have to follow certain guidelines in order to stay published, mainly around constructive criticism. So if someone goes on there and starts, you know, Lagging off someone else in the company, that review is just going to get deleted. They have to be constructed. Um, you can't edit or delete them. The company can ch- can ask for reviews to be deleted. Obviously, this hasn't happened to all of them because there are reviews going back to 2018. So despite all of that and everything I've said, however, there is a correlation between what staff are saying. And I'm gonna. I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna break down the improvements that people say are needed, and the positives that some staff have mentioned from working there. Rather than going through mm-hmm. all of the individual reviews, you can go back and watch this video. To, to what you can go and find that video and watch it to get all the individual reviews. So, improvements that need to be made in criticisms. Low low employee count compared to the output expected. Technical skills behind the industry, not allowed to delay games, and the development schedule is too short. Long work hours to produce games. The higher up you are, the less work-life balance there is. Long-time staff do not acquire new skills. Um, there are uh, uh, this one I've got the high pressure from people higher up, and one of the quotes from the video. It's not rewarding to keep making the same thing. So I'll quickly touch on the positives because there's less positives. So the people there are nice, except for the higher-ups. It looks really good on the CV or resume for overseas listeners because obviously if you've got, oh, you developed a Pokemon, it's going to look good on the CV. Um, There is effort in helping people to grow and train. It's good wages. They have a nice office, an efficient remote working system. And the last one is quite interesting because you could take this as a, as a criticism. 
but there is a high amount of outsourcing. So, all that being said, Connor, what are your thoughts? So, a lot of that we'd kind of assumed. Mm-hmm. That there's just not enough time, there's not enough people, and the actual skills and technology of the people there aren't up to snuff. That much I kind of gathered, and it's interesting to hear it from, you know, in, inside somebody who's actually worked there is going, no, 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 no. that is the case. What I found very interesting was the idea that they didn't have, you know, they feel like they're being pressured, like they're having to work long hours, because as far as I was aware, they didn't practice crunch. That was my understanding. Um, I can't ever remember where I found that information from. I've read so much over the years on Pokemon, but it was my understanding that Game Freak and Nintendo companies in general didn't crunch. So that might be a misunderstanding on my part. The other one as well, (laughs) the higher ups don't know what they're doing. And we know that the higher ups of Pokemon came from developing Game Boy games. And Mm -hmm. as I said last week, you know, they developed Heart, Gold, Soul, Silver with like 12 people. I think like four or five people worked on Red and Blue. They're used to working on very, very small teams because they're relatively making small projects. And it feels from these reviews and the games that we've seen that they've kind of not grasped the concept of what they're doing nowadays. They're just like, oh, no, 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 no. We did this with this many people. So we'll add a few more and we'll be able to do loads more. And it's like, that's just not the way that works. AAA games, which you should be at this point, mm-hmm. requires a lot more than you're putting into it. It requires more time. It requires more developers. And it probably requires more money put into it. But then when yeah. you get people saying, well... I was told not to worry about it because the game will sell anyway. I don't think that feels great. I don't think that's a great environment to be working in. If the idea is somebody, if your higher-ups are coming to you going, don't worry about it, how much passion are you going to put into your into your work? Yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy to think that there are probably staff there that want to develop more. They want They have all these ideas and they get shot down. And that, if I was a business owner, that is crazy to me. You want people that are willing to go, you know, above and beyond, which it seems like people at Game Freak, from what we can see from the reviews, want to. But they get shut down from people higher up. And what I what I am taking away from, from this is that a lot of the higher ups just don't understand the issues further down. And part of the reason why is because I've got a feeling there is some level of hiding how bad it is. Because obviously every you know those at the top still have to report in to somebody. And yeah, we still we we met we met the deadline you gave us. We delivered the game and look, the game sold really well. So what's the problem here? And you know the 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 Problem for the people at the top. What is the problem? It's selling better than ever. 
we've now completely completely rolled out this game, which means that we can do all the other merchandising and, and stuff like that. And they're pleasing the Pokemon company and, you know, Nintendo and all that. And then the people at the bottom, like the frustrations for them of, yeah, you, you, did, you did it, it's good enough. Why are you trying to rock the boat? And I can understand why so many of the reviews, the one star, the two star, and the three star reviews, are all saying the same thing because they've probably been there for that long and tried to progress and tried to, you know, build on what they love only to get shot down time and time again. It must be absolutely heartbreaking to see, you know, not everyone. I'd I'd wager most people on the planet have a job that they just hate. Mm. They don't love it. It's just a... Yeah, this this gets me through the week. I have enough money to live. Uh, that's that's what I want. Then when you do have people that are working, at, you know, a game freak who probably go into it blind, thinking this is amazing. I'm going to develop a Pokemon game, and to see how are we happens, innovating, guys? What... what are we doing this time? It's like no, 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 no. Same thing. Go again. Yeah, it's yeah, still yeah, selling. Yeah. Don't don't change it. Yeah, do that, but don't spend as much time on it this time. Okay, but make right. it bigger. It it blows my mind, and part of part of I think the the issue is that those that are at the top, I just don't think. I think those that are at the top have kept up with Pokemon, but haven't kept up with the industry they work no. in. And part of the issue is that, like a couple of these mentioned, like the technical skills are behind the industry, which explains why they're releasing games, but. Or behind the industry standards. Scarlet and Violet comes out, and it, you know there are comparisons of it. Yeah, it looks like a GameCube game. They're not wrong. No. Because they it's don't because have the technical port- skills. They're portable creators. They're, yeah. not, they're, they came up on handhelds, and now mm-hmm. they're trying to make AAA 3D Switch tiles. Yeah. And they're just... At least from what this is saying... They don't have the relevant experience. They're all very well experienced in game developing and story creation and, uh, you know, the music and everything. It's all there. But the actual mm-hmm. development of 3D AAA games is not. No. So I've got a quote here for you, and it's a it's a three-star review. If this was a one-star review, I'd probably lean on it a little bit less. But three-star, to me, means that the person has a balanced mm. argument of there are good things and there are bad things. Um, I felt that many employees refused to adopt new technology as they got older, uh, perhaps partly because of seniority. Full-time employees in my department were particularly prone to this, and as a result, I had no choice but to rely on outsiders for most of my work. Like, Doesn't that just speak volumes of, yeah, we did it in the past. We did amazing. We did, we, we did, we developed some of the best-selling games on a handheld. You've got it better than ever. You have more money thrown at you. You have more employees than ever. So what are you complaining for? Because for them, the industry hasn't shifted. They're still competing in gaming, even though gaming has sub areas. And they're not keeping up with the times. But they're keeping up financially, so what does it matter? Exactly. Like it, it, there is such an imbalance, is is absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely crazy that this is the this is 
like that it's come to light that these are the issues but we were we we we, we didn't know them but we were if you'd have told us, okay, right, we want you to explain what's going wrong at Game Freak, I'd imagine most people that are in the community could list it and probably get 80 to 90% yeah. of it right. It's not a surprise. Yeah. As I say, my biggest surprise was that the higher-ups there just aren't pulling their weight, by the sounds of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. my my hope would, would be like, you know, Janine Chimasudis just left, and that's a big loss for the company, and at least, according to some of these reviews, I'd say maybe it's a blessing rather than anything else. Mm. It, it's it's not a slight at Janichi Masuda, by the way. I don't know the man. I don't know what he was like to work with. I'm he's an example of a higher up who has been there forever, hmm. who I mean, has said the- multiple times that he likes working in smaller teams, that he has his own particular way of working and doesn't. Like other people have found it difficult working with him because of his lack of understanding of game development, and he's actually a musician at heart and tries to explain game development through musical terms. It, do you think this, Len? Do you think this in any way ties into what? And I can't remember who said it. Remember we spoke about the quote recently, and people were assuming. I can't remember. It was someone from within. Game Freak or the po- Pokemon oh, Company that about... they're going to take more time. Yeah, that people they're, they're mis- having discussions about taking time. And people were misquoting yeah. um, that. And, oh, they're going to delay them. No, they're not going to delay them. But this, this to me, just lends credence to the theory of they're not going to hire more people. They're just going to outsource more to hit those those release dates because they don't have the skills in-house. They don't have the, the capacity in-house they just outsource more and more of it. And it's going to get to the point where they already outsource the modeling that's done by uh, Creatures, isn't mm-hmm. it? Uh, they already outsource the the music, I believe. Don't know. Like, at, at what point does it just become, okay, you've got all these different strands doing different things and you've just got project managers that kind of, okay, bring it all together. But that's for me, is going to impact on the quality it's going to make the quality even worse. And I can't believe I'm saying that, like because you're not going to have those those strands between them all connecting them. The problem and is you've then got nothing developed in house to springboard off of. Mm. You've got all this jumbled mess of different companies working on your one project in their own styles, and handing you back a bunch of spaghetti code that you're like, yeah, okay, I guess I'll make this all work together somehow. Yeah, yeah. I've got t- t- two two other uh, smaller quotes that I, w- I want to um, read out. Um, so one of them from a one-star review in 2021, I think it's a very difficult environment to create as a producer. And a, another one-star review in 2018, uh, since it's top-down, proposals from below are basically not accepted. So it is very much a... We're at the top. We're making the decisions. You'll do what you're told. Here's your deadline. Get it done. Mm. Which just is not a creative environment to work in. I mean, there are other uh, reviews on there that say the opposite, that they came mm. in as a new person and their idea got taken on board and they were very surprised so, with that. So it completely depends. Ju- <laughs> yeah. So sorry to jump in on, on this because you've yeah. not seen the follow-up video and I have. Oh. So the conclusion that they came to 
because it depends on which part of the the company you are in. If you are someone who's creative, who gets to come up with the designs, who gets to come up with, you know, the storyboarding process of this is the new region, this is how it's going to look, we've done all this research, this is how it's going to, you know, you're drawing all that, I'd imagine your feedback is going to get taken. If you are literally the coder who is responsible for, you know, okay, they've given me the designs, I've just got to draw it now or, or, or build it in, 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 you've got to build the model and everything. How much say do you get in that? I'm not sure. And I think there's a disparity in the reviews of... And obviously there's a disparity in the reviews. It depends on the position. Not all these people are in the same positions or at the same levels. And that's why the reviews do, in some places, um, contradict one another. Yeah. But there is a correlation in a lot of what people are saying. Yeah. Even those with positive things to say. And I think most of these have to say something positive, something negative. That's just how they're formatted. Or they do. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. A lot of the negatives, regardless where you're looking at them, are saying roughly the same thing. Yeah. It, cool. It, cool. Yeah. We get to make Pokemon, but not really. No. There, is, there was one comment on the video that I did enjoy. Um, Masuda is real desperate to keep it as close to 151 workers as possible. <laughs> wow. oh, I did get, I did get a good, uh, a good tickle out of that. But it, it's we mentioned last week. It's it's 169 workers there. Uh, depends, um, depends on your source because I think really that was the point. Uh, 169 comes from Wikipedia, and then okay. 150 something is what this Japanese equivalent to Glassdoor says. Wow! So it might that even is... be less than we thought. Wow! That. It, it, like I, I don't know much about like gaming studios and how big gaming studios are. I, I don't know. I it's a tenth just of the from... percentage of uh, another like Activision. It's a tenth. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. That's 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 just crazy. I know they want to keep small teams, and I do. I, 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 I do think that smaller teams are more. You know, smaller teams are better for working on projects up not to a if certain you're having, size it, not if you're so small that you're having to outsource everything yes. anyway yes you're actually better off having more people in-house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because then you can at least oversee all of it rather than yeah yeah no it, it doesn't make sense to have such a small team anymore not for not for a company of this size that's trying to do what it does on the tight deadline yeah. like, and i can't I imagine for- it's it's cheap to outsource either no, surely you're paying over the odds. You pay more for outsourcing than you do if you had an employee of the same skill set in-house. But it does make you wonder if, like, as more and more more people have left the company, as, you know, they've moved from 2D to 3D to then the Switch, it lends credence to the fact of the reason they're outsourcing so much is they don't have the skills in-house. Yeah. And that's why they're having to do this more and anybody and, coming in who does have the skills gets disheartened very, very quickly because they're not yeah. allowed or not incentivized to demonstrate those skills. No. There was a quote, and I'm paraphrasing here because I, I, I'm scrolling now trying to find it, but, but the, 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 the crux of the comment was you don't go to Game Freak to learn how to create video games. Yeah. And that is 
heartbreaking. It, it goes back to what I've said in previous previous games that in previous uh, podcast episodes that Game Freak should be the you know the leader, the 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 company that is is setting the traje- trajectory for RPGs. Mm-hmm. But they're not. They are so behind, despite the fact that Pokemon is so well recognized as a as a brand. And that's it. And again, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, we're just, you know, on um, Game Freak and saying they're bad, the games are bad, everything's bad. We're simply trying to point out, hey, this isn't as good as it should be, as good as it could be, as good as we really desperately want it to be. And unless we draw light to it, unless we bring it to people's attention and say, hey, you might have loved Scarlet and Violet. You, you, and I'm, I think you're entitled to that opinion. Agreed. But I don't think you should allow your subjective opinion to overlook objective flaws. Yeah. There, I'm, don't get me wrong. There are things I love that I know are stupid and I know are bad. Like the um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. It's not great. I freaking love it. I think it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. There are th- there there are things that we we can subjectively love but objectively know are flawed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Game Freak and- as a company are objectively flawed. There is something not working over there. And even if you do like like if you if you love Scott and Violet, it's your best Pokemon game ever, and you absolutely love it and you think it's value for money, wouldn't you have liked more? Mm. Like regardless, would you not just have enjoyed it more if it 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 improved in certain ways? I'd imagine. Yeah. Let's move on to um one of the questions because I am quickly running out of time. So we're just going to do one question this week, if that's all right with you, Connie. Uh that comes courtesy of Tony. This was asked a couple of weeks back, and we've been the podcast has been that long, we haven't been able to address the questions. Uh so they asked, what would you want for the next Pokemon movie? you have any ideas what would you like anything in particular the next movie okay so the movies are usually tied into um mythicals and things like that mm-hmm. so interesting i don't okay i don't i i have an answer but it's slightly spoilery perhaps how spoiler this is and now i want to know how can it be spoilery okay so leaks something to do with leaks I, Ish and no, there is something in game that suggests something. Okay, you know okay. what? I want to know. Listeners want to know. Maybe if you don't, skip ahead by about thirty seconds. Okay, in the teal mask, when you get Ogrepon's backstory, you get the loyal three, and there is a fourth Pokemon. Fourth. Yes, okay. so I I have heard about this, and I've heard people speculate that it's the Pokemon that gave him the toxic chain. I've heard it's the Peach to the um. Omataro, oh, oh, I've, I've forgotten the name of the Omataro. The original story, Ogapon. the Peach. No, 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 the Peach Boy. That oh. Um, oh, it was ori- that we we originally thought this story was based on uh, okay. the, the Peach Boy that the boy that's born from a peach teams up with a dog, a monkey, and a pheasant to go and fight an ogre. So the okay. idea is that this is the trio master of the loyal three. Okay, and we've seen the little. Um, peach uh plush in the shop 
at, at Pete's shop, funny enough. So people are now speculating that, hey, this is the fourth Pokemon, and I think they've broken down the game assets and found the actual drawing that's cut off in that image that we get to see, and we get to uh. see that, yes, it is the same as that plush. It's just got two eyes on it. So with all that being said, I'd love to see that in a movie. I'd love to see the history of the Loyal Three and Ogrepon in a movie, because... I think as in-game lore goes, it works. And I've literally just written a video, as I say, about the Loyal Three and this history. And I think the fact that the game offers us a bunch of biased and unreliable narratives about this history allows the game to develop the way it does. I think without that, it doesn't really work. So I don't necessarily need that explored further within the games. Um, I don't necessarily want to come back to Kit Kami once I go to Blueberry Academy. I can understand that. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. There are people who are suggesting that, you know, you're going to go to Blueberry Academy and then get a phone call from Arvin to come back to Kit Kami and do other stuff there, which would be interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure how they tie it in, but it could be interesting. Personally, I'd love to see a movie about it that is just the history of Ogrepon and these three, possibly four Pokemon. Love it. Fantastic. I'm uh, I'm going to go down with a slightly different route. It, the, the, you know, what would you want for the next Pokemon movie? And I know what chances are we're going to get an anime that's based around a mythical or something like that because that's what that's what Pokemon does. But I'm going to pitch this as if like I I I can go off and create in my imagine, imagination. I can create whatever I want. I want something with the graphics of Detective Pikachu that you know very much real world Pokemon CGI. Um, but unlike Detective Pikachu, which felt very much a its own product, I want to explore more of the Pokemon world. So I really do want to see a Pokemon movie that follows your traditional story of someone trying to make it to the top and the battles that you would see at the Elite Four from that. It would help me to realize some of the limitations of the anime of... The battles, for the most part, are very boring. There's not a lot of movement. There's not a lot of that, you know, noise, visual noise going on. I would just just once love to see that in a movie format. And it does make me suddenly realize I, I need to go back and watch Detective Pikachu at some point. I think there's something to be said about it being following like a 90s sports film, 80s, 90s sports movie, where you take your underdog Idea. team and... We get beaten by this person in the first one, and then the ragtag bunch have got to come together and train real hard and I learn like lessons about friendship, and then we get to overcome and win the league. All right, let's go. Yeah, I think Pokemon I like is so open to that kind of story that it's, it's just an easy one to tell. It just makes sense. It, it just like it could work so what Base it in Pokemon Unite. There you go. You've got the team that come together. They've never played together, and they just can't figure it out. But then by the end of the movie, they've, they've hashed out their issues, the differences, and they're able to win. Yeah. And then you can Love even it. explore the Pokemon Unite um, reality where you see that, okay, it's the Pokemon that partake, but each one of those Pokemon has an individual trainer, and then the team has a coach. So you've then got your human characters as well, but each human also represents the Pokemon because they've got to go off and train with them individually and things like that. And each yep. Pokemon 
is with a particular trainer either because they complement their personality or are completely juxtaposed. And then that, that. that lends itself to comedy. I like it. I like it a lot. Fantastic. Fantastic. Right. Let's move on to Devil's Advocate. This is going to be, I'm afraid, kind of a quick fire round. Mm-hmm. So we're debating Game Freak should give up Pokemon as an IP. Connor is debating that they should give it up. I'm going to be debating that they shouldn't give it up. I've got a feeling we'll know most of my arguments, quite honest with you. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to start first, if that's okay, with crack on a really cheap argument, but one that I think makes sense based on the the, the prompt. Um, makes them it keeps them in a job. It gives them enough money to keep rolling out the same game over and over again. Why should they give up an IP that they that that just allows them to keep their employees safe, that allows them to constantly uh, bring out this game that I'd imagine most of the employees are not happy about because we spoke about this earlier, but you still you still must admit that even if you develop a, a something that you're not completely proud of, there's still a part of you that's proud of it because you were involved in it, you were part of that. That's my opening argument. So the Pokemon uh, Game Freak have a stake in the Pokemon company. I'm pretty sure they own a, like a one-third stake in it, which means that realistically... Hang on. I've, I, I want to make sure I get this right. Basically, they own part of the rights to Pokemon. So they earn money yes. whenever the merchandise are sold, whenever anything with Pokemon is licensed out. Game Freak earn money. So licensing out the IP, I think, is not going to cost the company massively i think they'll still earn money from doing no work and it will allow the company itself to make other games and put actual effort into these games and put passion into them uh games that they actually want to make because as we read through a lot there people are just like doing pokemon again cool yeah great thanks because it just they're 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 in the they're in a rut they're going through the motions now it shows in the passion of the people working there, and it shows in the outcome, where they're just making the same thing over and over again. They hand Pokemon off to a different company, release the reins, not like they did with Ilka, where they kind of went, well, hang on, we're doing another game, and you're not allowed to, like, show us up. You, you can't do something better than us. We don't want to over-deliver here. No, give them free reign, let them do whatever they want with it. Because there are so many people who want to make Pokemon. There are so many people who have so many ideas and are passionate about it, and want to keep this franchise alive, that I think we could have a variety of different styles of games brought into this franchise. And especially in a world where we're moving more into uh, Marvel and DC and things, having multiverses, and the multiverse being more of a common state within uh, people's ideas, so you can have this idea that, you know, that's not part of my canon. I didn't play that game. I don't play that series of games by that company. It doesn't matter. That's not my mainline. The idea of a mainline disappears entirely. We just have, you know, Ilka's franchise, which, do, uh, which does, okay, they do the open world stuff. And then this other company does the, um, you know, they're more about the RPG heavy. They they're more they're more RPG based, and then you have you know Game Freak could maybe still produce Legends. You can have these flavors of Pokemon spattered around, and to be honest, I'm you're gonna have a hard time not convincing me of this because I'm not the biggest fan of how copyright laws work. 
I think Pokemon really is at an age now where people should be able to just have access to those 151 original designs and make whatever game they want. In fact, talking about making whatever the game they want off of the original designs and things, we've seen what can be produced with small, small, I wouldn't even say companies, teams, sometimes individuals creating mods, sometimes creating games completely from scratch based around Pokemon. Mm. Are they all great? No. Are some of them really good with really cool ideas? Yeah. And I think if Game Freak had a final sign-off on a lot of these, so they could go, that doesn't follow our brand image. We don't want people being 12 and telling people to f*** off and you know, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. We don't, we don't want Pokemon killing people. We just don't. Sure, yeah. they can have that final okay. say and they can keep the Pokemon brand how they want it. But lots of little people, lots of other people have their way to influence and change the series as they wish. Okay. What's really annoying there, Connor, is there was about three points where I was like, I've gone in here. And then straight just kept away, you, you came up with then a, but if they did this, it'd be okay. <laughs> so I'm like, right, okay. So I can't go down that, go down that avenue. So the avenue I am going to go down is that, yes, we have seen that there are certain like you say, really small teams or literally individuals that have taken something that Game Freak's, Game Freak has developed and then added to it. You know, I'm a big fan of Radical Red. I still maintain that if you are going to play a version of the original, you know, um, advanced games, it's probably the one that is the most up-to-date and the, has the best quality of life. However, a lot of these mods that you, you talk about are, are built upon the work that Game Freak has done and well yes we could go okay right let's lease it out other people can do these different things i think you're gonna lose the core of what pokemon is because while yes i believe that you know uh development they game freak has development issues we've spoken about that already one thing that none of those criticisms touched on is almost the heart, the passion of creating these creatures and every generation you have these, these, you know, the vast majority of every generation, the Pokemon feel like Pokemon. By giving that up, you run the risk of people just going all over the place. And this is why I hate the fact you said that, you know, Game Freak should get final sign-off on things because it just shuts down my well, argument. Even but not gonna... necessarily final sign-off. Maybe you keep the same design team. You go, no, 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 these are the guys who designed the Pokemon. You want no Pokemon in your game, these are the guys who've got to design it. They, You will be in contact with them and we'll do it in-house. We, we get, um, you know... There's such a thing as a lore keeper when it comes to big budget um, games and films and things like that. Somebody who goes, no, 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 everything has to be cohesive, which I don't think Pokemon has. I'm going to say that outright. I think Pokemon really needs a good lore keeper and they don't have one. If you're looking for someone, I'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> the guy. guy. I'd, I'd love to be, but no, there are people far, far more, uh, far more capable than myself, but you should I'll have one. Um but they could have that. They could have that in-house. They could go, no, 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 no. This is our this is our story guy. He will overlook, she will overlook, they will overlook your story that you come up with and go, no, that's not Pokemon. That's not Pokemon. This is how you make it Pokemon. Well, is think, that giving up the IP then? Because of course, they're, because they're uh, licensing it out. What they're doing okay. is there's um there's an old uh, series called Thieves World. And I know there's other uh, 
books and stuff that have done this before, but there was an old book series called Thieves World where they basically went, here's a world, here's all the gods, here's all the major players, here's all the characters. And they just licensed it out to a bunch of different authors to have their story in that world. And I think that's what you could do with Pokemon. Pokemon is a world that you license out and say, hey, we want to take a crack at that. Give it, we'll, we'll buy the license for Pokemon. It's like, okay, but we'll get final sign off in this. Mm-hmm. But by giving, by giving this up, so we've, we've discussed all the issues with Game Freak, and there, there are many. But if you just allow them to give out that IP, they're never going to have the, the, the chance to change it up, to mix it up, to you know weed out the management at the top to oh, then build a chance. team. <laughs> they've had their chance. They've had nearly 30 years. I have no arguments, by the way, now. And I don't know if <laughs> it's because of my I don't know if it's because of my COVID-addled brain right now. I have COVID, by the way. I think I've done quite well considering. Um, but my my lack of arguments here. I I just to wrap this up, I think. Because I am on the same wavelength that they they should give give it up as an IP because I think there are many companies out there that would do better, would have a crack at it. But I do think that you're right that Game Freak still needs to have a say in it. Whether or not that is a, okay, before we you know, green light this development, what's the story? How does this tie into the wider Pokemon universe? Here are a list of things that you can do. And a list of things that you can't you can't do very much like um, comic creators used to have almost a a rule book of um, and it goes back to like Spider Man like the rule book for Spider Man was very much at the time he must be in college or high school he 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 must be heterosexual him like there was you know he must be Caucasian like there was a rule book of what people had to develop I'm not saying those are good by the way I still maintain you should be able to do stories with other like you know. Um, differences and whatnot but the fact is they had a rule book to play to play by and pokemon uh, and game freak would need something similar as that of okay you can you know you are allowed to introduce new law but it must not contradict any law that has come before it and it must play by this law book and i i think that that's the correct balance to have because i don't believe the best thing to do is just hand over the IP to another company and just go free reign, forget what came before. I because a lot of what came before is so beloved and does need celebrating and remembering. Yeah. And I and I think that's very important is the fact that, you know, I don't think Game Freak are keeping up with modern day industry standards. That doesn't mean I don't love what already exists. Mm. And I I still think there's talent there. I mean I know um names escape me now the original designer ken sugimori um i know he doesn't work directly as the head of his team anymore i don't believe mm. or maybe he only works as the head of the team and doesn't directly design anymore i forget again it's so much changes so quickly and i've read so many different things i still think their design documents and things that they must have in house are relevant and i think there should be at least collaboration, if not oversight from them. Agreed. Because, I I, especially as we started this podcast saying, one of the biggest things that makes Pokemon different from all these other beast-taming games is 
the designs is Pokemon. It's the way they feel. You don't want to lose that by handing out the IP. I love that. And with that, we've come full circle. We we cycled it back around. We're good at this. We're getting good at this. We're only 67 episodes in. We're finally learning how to podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting there. We're getting there. Right. Okay. Um, Sorry, Connor. We're going to have to skip out the guessing game once again. That's fine. However, what I do want to know is if, if you've got any exciting videos coming up. Again, still working on the uh, one about the Loyal 3. That's that's the big one at the moment. Oh, I actually went in today and did a whole revision on it. Because I got a little bit worried that I've forgotten how to write essays over the years. And my stream of consciousness is not what it used to be. It's a lot more, and then this, and then this, and then this, but this, and this, and this, and this. And I realized that's not really how you should write an essay. And that's not very fun to read or listen mm-hmm. to. So I cheated slightly and threw it into chat GPT and was like, hey, can you rewrite this as like a intellectual uh, essay, please? And it handed me something back. And what it, what it gave me was actually really quite good. And it's just, okay. again, with my, with my illness and things, the brain fog sets in and my memory's shot. So my vocabulary is so much worse than it used to be. And mm-hmm. it's even worse when I'm trying to write things. I'm like, there's a word here, but this is the idea of that word and i'll never find it so all of my all of my work has been like really long and rambly much like this sentence that i'm saying right now so having it rewritten for me and then going in and going okay that's not quite what i meant i'll change that up oh that needs more context i'll add it in here i actually think it's come out a lot better so i'll I'll be interested to see responses to it see if anybody notices Mm -hmm. okay I was I was going to suggest like go back and watch some of your old videos to kind of get in that flow of watch your tone of voice and stuff like that. Mm. However, um, I've also used Chat, chat GT, GPT for um, YouTube descriptions, uh, generating thumb uh, titles. Sorry, I've used it for uh, what did I use it for? I've got a, a, a new video series that's probably coming out next Friday. Um, I'll talk more about it then because I don't want to spoil it too. Much. Um, however, what I did was I I literally gave chat gpt a couple of prompts and said write me a 60 60 second introductory video for a youtube series and within a couple of seconds it, it bought me something out which granted it wasn't under 60 seconds it, it was about 70 and i've streamlined it a little bit it repeats itself in a few places but 90 percent of that is what you'll see in the final video because yeah. it's it's I don't think it's cheating. It's just using the tools that you've got it's to your... the tools at our disposal. And the thing is, it again, it's... I already wrote the essay. I already yep. wrote the video. I just went, spruce this up for me. <laughs> it was it was the same principle as, like, you know, when you used to go through things and just click thesaurus on every other word. Yeah. It yeah. was doing that, but in a more cohesive way. It makes sense. It's It's... It's a fantastic tool, and Connor, obviously, uh, as always, I'm looking forward to seeing what you uh, what you produce when you when you come out with it. Thank you very much. Uh, and that's the show for this week. If you've got a comment or question, you can reach us by leaving a comment on our podcast on YouTube, by emailing goldenrodpod at gmail.com, by leaving it on our Discord channel, or by using the hashtag goldenrodpod on Twitter. Before you go, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you're watching on YouTube, then please leave a like. Connor, where can we find you? You can find me on my YouTube channel at Captain Fidget or on Twitter at Cap Fidget.
Ben. You can find me as Professor Hoenn Gaming on YouTube and Professor Hoenn on Twitter. That's the show for this week. If you've gotten this far, you're just top dollar, aren't you? We'll be back next Friday for another week of Pokemon podcast content. See ya.